All right, all right, all right. We are live with another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. We got a nice little compact episode today. We're going to be talking the game against Nashville, what the team looks like going to the All-Star break, the Turcotte emergence, long live Turcotte. Uh, and then we're talking about PL Dubois lineups, what they could possibly look like when everybody is healthy. So get in the chat, like, and subscribe, and you know what to do. Let's go. All right, getting into the chat here. It's just going to be Joe and I today. You know, Russell is the all-star of this show, and he's taking his all-star break a little bit early. So you're stuck with the uh, the old making it rain tandem here for today. Uh, but before we get into that, let's get in the chat. DJ was here at 327. Good evening, everybody. Sigh. Well, oh, peace. My tinfoil hat is on again. It's almost time. Trapper 9. Yeah, I am on time and awake. Welcome, guys. Geoff coming in here. Greetings. Chilling at work and ready for tonight's show. Richard, what up, everybody? Feels great Richard. to get a little, one last win before the break. Amen to that. So get in the chat. Let's go here. Hit that like button. Uh, get the uh, get the algorithm spinning. You know, get it get it going to where we can reach more and more Kings fans. But before we dive in, Joe, my main man, how you doing, buddy? I was doing a little better before the Orioles acquired Corbin Burns. I don't like that, Randon, as a Yankees fan. I don't know if you saw that come through the uh, the wire within the last hour or so, but that's a pretty significant move for the Orioles to pick up an ace. Uh, I did not see that. You know what I did see, though, is their fans saying to their owner, sell the team, and he was like, sure. And oh. he sold the team. Yeah. yeah, to two other billionaires. And he right. was like, okay, yeah, if you don't like the way I'm doing this, yeah, I'll just take my money and walk. And I, within I, like I, two I days, know... acquire an ace. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know if you know, but I'm an Ace fan, and our management is god-awful, and I'm just a little envious that he was like, yeah, sure, why not? I'll just take my yeah. money. I bought this team for pennies. It's worth billions of dollars now. Let's just move on. You know, I made a count. I cashed in, uh, but I, I digress. So, uh, Andy Garcia, let's go. Finally getting a W. Welcome <coughs> in. Welcome in, guys. So, let's get into it. The Nashville game, um, you know, was 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 a good game, all right? Get, gets the W. It's two points. Looking at the aftermath in the locker room, I don't know if you saw this, but it was like Kings Media was like, oh, like, let's it's dance party. And like all these players walking in and even Gavrikov, the dance man, expressed himself, just kind of just did this and then walked to his locker room. I think, yeah, they got two points. I'm sure they're excited to get two points. But this team looks ready for a nice four or five day break yeah. uh, to uh, maybe soak up some vitamin D, a few margaritas and and kind of not think about hockey for for about a week yeah i mean it's it's got to be one of those things where you, you want to play the tunes you want to do all the stuff that you're doing when you're winning but at the end of the day when you've been on a stretch like this and you got a break coming up yeah i'm sure there's a part of them that's like a, a sigh of relief and let's get the get the hell out of dodge get the two points and go take a break <laughs> because they 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 need one that's for sure that's for sure so uh, Kings end up winning. I get a nice little empty netter from Fiala, uh, but the 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 main the main uh, attraction so far the last couple of days has been a former fifth overall uh, pick 
uh, Alex Turcott gets called up uh, between our last show, this show. And we we were all wondering, because they did that with Clark, where they brought him up and just sat him. We, was he actually going to get some run? Stunk him right in the lineup, uh, right on 4th C. Uh, I, I was tired of seeing Lewis at 4th C. You were tired of seeing Lewis at 4th C. And apparently, finally, the Kings were as well. And bring up Turcott and uh, had a hell of a game, first game. Was the only uh, really the only one flying around there? Repeated his performance against Nashville, um, and so you know, stick, stick taps to Turcott getting his first goal and first point of his career. You gotta imagine that the monkey's off his back now, right? Like, okay, I'm healthy, I'm playing the NHL, I'm getting my first point. Like a lot of these dominoes are starting to fall, and maybe he can start taking that momentum to for a good second half for the LA Kings. I, I hope so. I mean, and, and as you said, the, the biggest thing for me is the kid's healthy, he's playing, and he's getting his opportunity now, at least right now with, with the injuries and stuff going on with the Kings. So could not be happier for him. I mean, we've talked about this going back to the making it rain days. Like the only problem we ran into is he just wasn't playing because he was hurt. But whenever he played, he's an impact. Every shift, he's a puck count, but he's also creating scoring chances. Like it's not just as if he's this, he's this grinder that can't actually do anything when he's mucking along the walls. He can get pucks, he can make plays, he can finish. We saw the other day against Nashville, really nice short side goal against one of the better goalies in the league. This is a kid that can play. Um, he's just got to stay healthy. So you know, knock on wood that that he's able to do so. Um, I don't know what his status will be come post all-star break. You know, we'll see what the lineup looks like, who's back from injury and whatnot. Um, but you have to be excited if you're a Kings fan who's been waiting to see Turcotte for a few years now. Uh, and I know he had a little cup of coffee in the past, but to, to really see the performances that he's had these last two games and be as impactful as he was these, these two games, you have to be excited about that. You have to be. Yeah, let's go back to Carter Sports here. Says a healthy Turcotte is worth that draft stock. So taking fifth overall, uh, right behind Bowen Byram and and uh, uh, wow, I just lost my train of thought. The guy that Chicago just traded to Montreal, Kirby Doc, Kirby Doc, yeah. And so everybody obviously has been, and this this crowd included, has been comparing him to Zagris because he hasn't been able to get on the ice. And Zagris blossomed first year, and now he's having struggles. So we'll see how that works out. But in his draft year. Uh, after he got ironically injured in his draft year, he came back and was having a higher points per game than Jack Hughes. He was on fire for the second half for Team USA. And so a lot of people were saying that, man, he could be a high goal scoring type guy. But you know, you know, his what his game kind of reminds me of is Trevor Moore, a guy that's scrappy, a guy that can play offense and defense, a guy that's not afraid to muck it up, a guy that has just enough of a scoring touch. A guy that's going to get in the dirty areas, do a little stick lifts, and always brings the energy night after night after night and doesn't have to be talked to about bringing that energy night after night. And so I think he kind of compares to that side. He got a lot of practice on the wing, not only for Team USA, but for for the rain. Um, was on, you know, TJ Tynan's line. He was on, you know, a couple other people's lines. And so playing center and wing. Yeah. Uh, so, we, you know, we'll talk about that as the what the lo- roster looks like when they're healthy later on in this podcast. But, you know, going back to tonight's game, like you saw all his his draft acumen there. And I think one of my favorite plays outside the goal was a little bit turnover by his linemate, turns around, stick lift, gets the puck, dishes it off, and, and the momentum's going back the Kings' direction. And that's what the type of play that you can get from 
Turcotte on a night in and night out basis. Yeah. I mean, again, you, you're, you're seeing exactly what, what you want. And it's nice that he gets off the board too. So he, he puts the puck in the net. He gets, uh, did he have an assist as well? Did they end up getting him an assist on that? So first? he should have had two assists. I, but then after looking about it, they gave him the assist originally. And then after re-looking at it, it was more of like a turnover. Yeah. Like it was directly he, he to, assisted uh, on Lewis's goal. But he assisted on Lewis's goal. So on that goal, <clears throat> Byfield up against the wall behind the net. Byfield is using his weight. He's shielding the defender. Turcotte kind of sees the puck through both of their legs, kind of pokes it forward. And then Byfield with his long reach dishes it directly to Lewis for, for the goal. And so it wasn't like a... It wasn't like a like a long pass assist, but I think it was that part of that play was instrumental in Byfield oh, yeah. being able to assist Lewis. For sure. And so that's the type of stuff that he's going to bring to the table is not only is he going to bring that energy, he's going to bring a lot of speed, he's going to bring kind of a two-way game. Um, but again, he's got offensive touch to his game. He's got playmaking ability to his game. He's got a little bit of a, a knack for the net. He produced um, when he was in Ontario, too. Again, as long as he's been on the ice, he's been a pretty productive player. So, I, 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 I mean, he's he, Fagimo, uh, and uh, Clark were sent back to Ontario, you know, during this break here. So they'll get get to keep playing a bit, which is good for them. Um, but boy, what a what an injection into the lineup he's been um, to start these these last two games, right? I mean. And, you know, we're going to talk about what the lineup could look like, but it, it'd be – you don't want to overreact to two games, of course. Um, but, boy, it's it's hard not to be excited about what you saw. I kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of do. This team needs – I don't blame uh, you. I don't blame needs, you. It uh, needs uh, a shot, a uh, kick in the ass, For so to sure. speak. And so, you know, as, as Holden right here saying, you know, Turcotte drastically improved the fourth line. Just him as a player – improve that fourth line. That fourth line was unplayable for the, yeah. the last two weeks. Uh, and and all of a sudden, they were the best line for back-to-back games. Scored uh, They scored every single point last game besides the empty netter. Um, you know, and so, like, how is it not exciting? You know, and, you know, we keep teasing the future lineups, but, like, Blake Lazat comes back, and with his, with his acumen on the wing, like, you can stick him anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right, you can stick him anywhere in the lineup. Like, I mean, I don't foresee him playing first line because the fact that that first line is, you know, very cohesive at the moment. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him on the second line or on the third line or just sticking, you know, on the wing with with Lazat. You know that that could be, you know, that Grunstrom, Turcotte, Lazat. That that could be a pretty nice line. You got some physicality. You got some scoring acumen a little bit. Uh, you got guys. All three guys aren't afraid to muck it up. So. I, it's just going to be something that he's going to be able to be the the cog piece that can fit anywhere in this machine. Boy, I wouldn't mind seeing a player of Turcotte's ability, puck houndedness, creativity, speed playing next to Pierre-Luc Dubois in that third line, that's for sure. Maybe even with Alex Laferriere um, until Arvidsson gets back. That'd be a pretty... A pretty fun line. I agree, Matt P. I think that's that's a pretty fun looking line right there. You know, Laugh Laugh puts a lot of energy. Turcotte puts a lot of energy, in, and they might both pull PL into the into the fray. Uh, he shouldn't need that, but maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's what he he will need. And so, I, I think looking at his play, I mean, obviously he was excited, and and Spence was excited, right? Yeah. Like you look at like after that goal, like 
they 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 play a whole season in Ontario together. Like they were they were brothers. Like Spence was excited for him, you know. And like, uh, oh, but did you see the dive from the top rope from Riddich on on Instagram? Yes, I did. He, he called he called him Glass Boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is that his nickname in the locker room now? Like that's not that's got to be a fun one to until he sheds that moniker. Like what is that? He has to play a full season. But yeah, Rich was like, good goal, Glass Boy. Oh my God, that's funny. Anyway, so he, uh, you know, he he gets he gets everything off his shoulder because this could have been very different, right? He comes up, does nothing, and yep. or looks bad. Then he definitely doesn't have a chance after the All Star break, right? So, like now he he did all that he could do to make Kings Brass think otherwise by keeping him down for yep. after the All Star break, right? Yeah, that's what he's got to do. He's got to make their decision difficult, right? I mean, if, if you're him, all you're looking for is your opportunity. you got to make the most of it, and that's, that's exactly what he's done. Um, you know, the unfortunate part for him is he's one of a couple of guys that's that's waivers exempt, so he can go down and not have to worry about that. Um, or other other guys, you know, I, I think Grunstrom is a, is a regular but if you know Grunstrom would need waivers, Anderson Dolan needs waivers. Um, Kaliev is is not playing. I don't think McClellan has much interest in playing him, but they're not going to waive him. So even if McClellan would prefer to play Turcotte over Kaliev, he's going to play Kaliev if for the, if the roster dictates that Turcotte goes down. So that's kind of the unfortunate part, I think, for McClellan is he's probably going to have a lineup that's not as well i would say not as good as he wants it but i don't know what exactly he wants but not as good as it could be but he doesn't uh, have to the he doesn't have to until arvidson gets back he does like kings right. don't, don't have to make a decision because they called him up they didn't sure. send him back down right I'm, so, so they, yeah i'm i'm going off of the uh of course yeah you're right i'm going off of the when arvidson yeah. and lazada are both back yeah you're right so before we get into what future rosters and kind of just have a nice little bar conversation going back and forth, bringing up things, answering some questions in the chat. If you guys have any questions for us, please throw them in the chat. We're going to get into our sponsors here at uh, Hockey Royalty, which is DraftKings. So looking forward to our super offer for the Super Bowl 58. DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn five bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Oh man, the odds right there are plus one or 2.5 in favor of my Niners trying to get the quest for six. So, do you want to play some odds right there at DraftKings? Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code THPN. New customers can bet five bucks and get 200 in bonus bets instantly only on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the Super Bowl 58. With code THPN, the crown is yours. Randon, going to be honest, and it's yeah. nothing personal. When the books opened two and a half, I blindly bet two and a half wherever I could find two and a half on Kansas City. They opened one and a half. Oh, two was two and a half. And they, it, was it was one and a half. One, it was one and a half on DraftKings and it moved to two and a half. It was two. So I think I'm looking right now. DraftKings is down to two. There's only one two and a half that I can see at FanDuel. Everything else is two. But it was it opened that night, the night that Kansas City won. I waited to see what the lines would be. And it was right away. It was two and a half. So I just jumped on all those thinking this is probably going to close one and a half, but right now it's two at most spots. So I don't know how you're feeling about this game, but I wanted to get 
Mahomes at two and a half. So I don't I don't blame you. Mahomes is Mahomes, man. Yeah. I mean, but uh, you know, we're in the whites. You know, we're in the okay. white jerseys. So, you know, white jerseys are uh, 15 and three in the last 18. So uh, the only the last white jersey to lose was ironically the Niners against the Chiefs. Um, but but uh, no, I, I think this completely two different teams. I mean, we have a much better offense than we did last time. Last time we were the number one defense in the NFL. Like we didn't even allow a, a rushing touchdown until like week 15. So it was definitely something to look out for. And and now we have a, a top offense. I think our offense is better than Kansas City's, uh, but their defense is a whole lot better than it used to be. So yeah. obviously we can't get down 17 and pray for that again. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that this this game, I don't think I'm – am I scared of Mahomes? Yeah, because he's good. But uh, do I think our team is good enough to win? Yeah, I, I, I do. I think, I think Brock Purdy is going to surprise a lot of people. I think we're going to be a lot better out of the gate, hopefully. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't blame you for taking – just win by two or less. Just win yeah. by two or less, and I'm a happy guy. So let's let's get into the kind of future lineups, and we're kind of open open it up here for for everything. Uh, so we've been hinting at the roster construction. Um, so if Arbison comes back, obviously the LTIR comes off the books, and we have to move some things. And I got it, I got kind of into uh, into it on X back and forth, like what they're going to do, and. Um, you know, how are they going to make this work? And and I pretty much said that, like, look at Vegas last year, right? Like, they had all this LTIR. They were, like, over the cap by $9 million or whatever. And they made it work. So the trade deadline might be moving pieces out to make the cap work. If they really want Turcotte in the lineup, they're going to have Turcotte in the lineup. So, you know, obviously, Blake hasn't been as aggressive. He's been a lot cautious with his prospects and stuff like that and sending down the guys that are able to be sent down. But this – to me, this season seems a little bit different. The call up of Clark when he didn't really need to call him up because they have Jordan Spence. All this kind of stuff kind of – I think they feel the pressure, both Blake and Todd McClellan, to where obviously not making the playoffs would be a huge disappointment. So they might ship some guys out, as you mentioned, Arthur Kalia, that has openly said he wants a better opportunity, whether it is with the Kings or without. He doesn't want to be on the fourth line. He doesn't want to be a scratch every other night or multiple nights in a row. So. To me, Joe, it seems like trade is the only way to make the cap situation work. Well, there's a couple of things they could do. Um, so with the help of, of Cap Friendly um, and their armchair GM, and I'm using the the LTIR enabled and their prorated cap hit kind of to project out the future, it, uh, it, it you would need a trade, but you'd probably also need another move because um, – and so I'm if you have the roster like it is right now, um, if you were looking to keep Turcotte and Laferriere up, then the Kings, you know, Anderson Dolan would end up, he'd probably be the first one that's an odd man out. Him and Figima would go down. Um, and that would give them 23 players. However, they're over the cap by about a million bucks, a little over a million dollars. So what they would have to do is now again i know there's ways to do this like daily and this is why you see a lot of paper transactions things like that right that to kind of play around the cap space so barring that which which obviously will open up some they're going to have to make another roster decision if in your example you trade arthur kaliev and you're now the problem with that is i would say if you're going to trade kaliev you would try to get something that's going to help you 
in this example, he would only be a cap dump. So in, if we do that, we can remove Kaliev from the lineup, but you're still over the cap um, by uh, like 200 grand or so. So you can see how difficult this becomes. Um, that's why the increasingly likely scenario is that it's Laferriere and it's Turcotte that find their way odd men out because they can. And again, that's even if you were to trade Kaliev. Now, I know that I see some in the comments about Grunstrom. He's the most expensive of the bunch at $1.3 so he would certainly clear up a lot. I'm not opposed to it. I do think he's better than Anderson Dolan, Lewis. I actually prefer Grunstrom to Kaliev. So I, I'm, I don't know that it necessarily makes the team better, but it does open up space. Um, I mean, again, it's you have Andreas England makes a million dollars, and we, we already know that England and Lewis aren't going anywhere. That's one point seven seven five. It's it is what it is. They're not going to go anywhere. Do you think there's a chance that they trade Lewis to a contender? No, or no. or do you think that that was brought up when they signed him? Lewis isn't going anywhere. He ain't going. The of all of the lineup shuffling that we've seen the last during this, what what was this? They've lost sixteen of eighteen or whatever. Whatever the yeah. streak is, Lewis and England are like the only two depth pieces that haven't come out of the lineup, which is yeah. asinine, frankly. Like yeah. even if you want to play them most games, for whatever your reasons are. The fact that they haven't even been like brought out at all for a game, two games, and tried yeah. something a little different is it's it's mind-boggling to me. But regardless, so I think that's going back to the conversation. It's going to be Turcotte or Laferriere, um, because they're not waving Lewis, and I I'll believe it when I see it if they do something with Grunstrom. They might, they might, but they're not waving him. He's not been bad enough to wave. So I th I think it's just going to be Laferriere or Turcotte. Do I agree with it? No, because listen, there's a choice to be made here. Voluntarily fielding and icing a roster that is not as good as it could be is a choice. They have a choice, and they're going to choose to use the waivers, the waivers exempt. I get it. I think it makes a lot of sense in prior years. I think if you're a team that is – trying to tell your fans that you want to win a playoff round, I think you need to field your best roster to do so. So we'll see. Push so do, they acquire, do they acquire yes. LTIR space? That that would be getting creative. Um, and, and that that I don't know. I mean, I, I guess there's if that's something that they can do, I'm sure they're going to check everything. But, um, but again, I mean, it, it's it's – Contrary, you have a choice. They have a choice. They have choices. I mean, you you don't. I mean, okay. you don't. But have a team to that's making less good. Well, roster. you don't have to. But they are. They're choosing to it. They've cho They've chosen to all season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I know they they put themselves in a spot because of the cap, right? They they tighten mm -hmm. themselves up, which again was a choice. They didn't have to do this. Andreas Englund makes a million dollars. Jacob Mulverari makes. Seven and you like what? Whatever league minimum I think is is seven seven five. I want to say 
not a significant savings, but he's cheaper when you're talking about everything you can cut. Trevor Lewis makes seven seven five. That actually same as Anderson Dolan. They're the same player, more or less. I think I, I think Anderson Dolan can do just to exactly what Trevor Lewis does. Um, so you'd save a little bit, but you'd have a little bit more flexibility, right? Because there's no as much as I like Jared Anderson Dolan and, and Moverari. If you were to put them on waivers, we've seen both of them clear multiple times. There's not really you don't put Trevor Lewis on waivers. You know, that's not going to happen. That's, you know, he, he's a veteran guy. He's won two cups. They brought him in here to be that veteran guy. They're not going to waive the guy. That So no. he's going to be on the roster regardless. They're not waving him. And so, you know, England's here for two years, right? He's got a two-year deal. I don't think they're waving Andreas England. Clearly they're not. They like him. He's not going anywhere either. So, again, this is – they put themselves in this spot. They didn't have to. They could have run with a, a much more roster of flexibility uh, this season, which probably would have made a lot of sense considering the cap constraints that they had. Um, but they didn't want to. They wanted to lock in two spots with Lewis and, and England, and that's the decision they made. The England one didn't surprise me because I knew they needed another defenseman if they weren't ready to play Clark. Right, because sure. you didn't want Clark and if they didn't want Clark and Spence at the same time, and if whatever reason, I don't, I don't know what they have it out for the big tuna, but uh, <laughs> but Mavari gets no, no, no pub. And uh, Russ showed a graph, I think, like a couple weeks ago on 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 the X, and he's been our, he's our been our underlying metrics. He's our best defenseman. And now, granted, small sample size, yeah. but it he's been our best defenseman. He's mo- most reliable. You never. You never hear anything about him. Like it's not oh bad play by Mervara. And you're like, like you he seems like the quintessential third pair guy that you're like, hey, he's there. You never see him, you never hear from him. Moves pucks. He moves pucks. And not a, for nothing, Brandon. He's played, he's spotted in when I think when Gavrikov was hurt. Oh, no, yeah, Gavrikov me. was hurt. He played and he played top four. He played with yeah. Ron. So it's it's just ridiculous that that well, because he doesn't hit. Because he doesn't fight, there it is. You got to have those. Uh, yeah. And so, like, I understand England. Do I understand a two-year, like, lock-in to that? No, because I think they should have gave him some freedom. Were we competing w- with Andres England with other teams, and the second year got the deal done over the first year? I, I there, you know, I don't know how those talks went. Went, but. Um, the 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 Lewis thing is the mind-boggling thing over the defenseman. And we talked about it at nauseum in the beginning of the season, but it's like you have Turcotte, you have Fagimo, you have Laugh making a I mean, I guess he was signed before Laugh made all those waves in camp, but you have Akil Thomas, you have all a Jad, you have all these guys that you've all draft all those guys were drafted in the second round or higher. So like you're not gonna give and, and Kaliev, you're not going to give these guys like you could just you could just wrote you could tumble dry the, all a guy in the lineup out every night, That's, and yet yeah. you you bring a you bring a, a guy, um, uh, you know who is who hasn't been good the last couple of years. Um, I, I'm just I'm just over the, it. The, Trevor the Lewis. Like, uh, thank you for the cups, man. But I'm I'm just over your play. What it does is what it does is is in like. He even if he in because listen, Lewis is a 
fine to good defensive winger. Fine. There's there can be value in that. I don't think it holds much value on a Kings team that is known for their defensive prowess. Fine, though. Okay. As I said early in the season, I genuinely don't think they brought Lewis in for anything he does on the ice. I think they brought Lewis in for his his vibes, which is fine. You know, he's a great dude by all accounts. Um, I know he kills penalties. We, I, I, I'll, I'll mention that in a second. But what it did is, even if Kings, he is, Kings, I have I have good vibes. So uh, I would like a roster spot um, or just a bench spot. Even, I'll sit on the bench and just bring the vibes. Even if Lewis is marginally better than some of the other young players that you mentioned. I don't agree with it, but even if, let's say he was, there's no flexibility there because you are not moving Trevor Lewis. There's no flexibility within that roster. At best, you might be able to healthy scratch him. But that you're not going to do that on a consistent basis because it's kind of, it doesn't look good on the player. It's a little embarrassing to the player, perhaps. You're not certainly not going to waive him. So that's what I mean is why you're stuck in that roster spot. That is an immovable spot. Whereas if you did have it, a little bit more fluid. You were willing to go with a little bit more youth in that position. It's a little bit more, you know, you have guys that some of these guys are waiver exempt. He'd be able, even, even if the guys, they certainly didn't have an issue waving Fagima. They didn't have an issue waving Jared Anderson Dolan. There's no problems with them doing that. So I don't think that should have been something that would scare them away. I, I just think it locks them in a spot, you know, and Trevor Lewis for all the comments about his penalty kill, Fine. He plays on the penalty kill. I think he's getting way too much credit for the, the Kings having the best penalty kill percentage in the league. It's not to say he's been bad on the well, there's a lot of numbers that suggest he wasn't very good. And through the first and we're starting to see his ice time go down too on the penalty kill. In the first 29, 30 games of the season, he was first among forwards in ice time on the penalty kill. The game since then, he's fifth among forwards on ice time in the penalty kill. Just generally don't think it makes that big of a difference whether it's Lewis, Kopitar, Kempe, Dano, Moore. Those guys are better players. So I don't buy the penalty kill argument in the slightest for the two minutes a game he plays in the penalty kill. That's what you're keeping him around for, seriously. And the, the floor the floor is similar, like you mentioned, but the ceiling for all these other players, these other players are way higher. Yeah. yeah, it's not even close. Like, and, just and, look at just look at the last two games with Turcotte. Yeah. He like, totally he, revitalized he, that line. Yeah, and then you could have Fagimo playing every night. You could have Jad yeah. playing every night to where maybe you get like Fagimo could turn into a third, second line winger with his shooting ability. Lewis will never be that again. So, like, where are we? Yeah, like, it was I, un- I, it, 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 it was it was unnecessary. And I see uh, this is a very fair comment um, by SDR here. Has Lewis really been the problem? Listen. The fact that we're spending this, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. We shouldn't really be spending this much time. He's a fourth-line player. Like, we don't need to be going too crazy. You're right. It's not that he has been the problem. The problem is the roster construction, and he's a part of that problem Is is because he is locked into that spot, and there's no flexibility there whatsoever. Meanwhile, they've had a Turcotte that they could have been coming up that they can't come up until somebody gets hurt or whatever the case is because they have a Lewis sitting there. So it's, it's just a, a blockage that is completely unnecessary. And it really, they had a decision to make in the offseason. Do we go with the youth or do we go with a veteran? I mean, and you weren't bringing in a veteran to do like, you could sell me, believe it or not, you could sell me on 
bringing in a veteran with a little bit more sandpaper, somebody like a Corey Perry, you could have sold me on that. I, I would have probably disagreed with it, but you could have sold me on that to bring in Lewis for what I I asked Russ. I think I asked you guys months ago, if Lewis wasn't on this team and won two cups with this team, is he here? No, because he's not that good of a player, (laughs) but he's got value to the Kings as an organization because of what he's brought. And, and I hate like saying that because I do love the guy, you know, what he did for the Kings in in his career. It's just, and I'm looking at the roster right now. It's, 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 it's a, it's a bottleneck. Well, and and it is especially in a line, in a line, like the third and fourth line should be lines that you're able to rotate guys in and give opportunities and, and do all those kind of things. And that's not the case for the Kings, especially when you lose a Lazat and they slide, they, they are again, forced it's a choice they're not forced but they chose to play lewis's 4c which is never going to work he he can he hangs on barely as fourth line right wing and you think he's going to play the drop off is massive i mean it was a mistake yeah but i mean i, I would rather see chad i don't want to beat the dead horse with lewis anymore i feel bad because again it's nothing i like the guy a lot and i don't even know but i mean i just like him as a king's fan but we're but we're looking we're looking at this roster now at, at the break right and where in this team is trying to win a, a series, and as much Are as they? you're saying, well, that's what they I, said. I'm kidding, but I'm kidding. but as much as you're saying that they won't trade him or they won't, they traded Jonathan Quick. They weren't afraid to to get him to make some moves. Like they shouldn't be afraid to trade Trevor Lewis to keep Turcott. They shouldn't be afraid to do to whatever. If he has to be a casualty. In order to make this lineup better as a roster constraint, uh, I don't understand why they're not hesitant. Hey, Trevor Lewis, sorry, didn't work out. We needed your cap space. Thank you very much. We'll trade you to a playoff team if possible. Um, you know, or we'll just cut, you know, we'll cut you and you can sign where else. Like, I'll just believe it when I see it. I don't think it's likely, but I, we're talking about what they should do. Right. I mean, they should, they should do that. I think this, it, they have to win. I mean, Let's talk about that, Joe. If this team doesn't make the playoffs or this team gets kicked out in the first round, you know, are T-Mac and Rob's jobs at risk? Because I saw a comment up and I couldn't find it again. But look at Rob Blake's moves this offseason. Bringing in P.L. Dubois, not so not a great move so far. Yep. Andres Anglin, not a great move so far. And Trevor Lewis. Well, those last two depends who you ask. There's a lot of people that think that those are great moves. One fights and the other one kills penalties. So to some, those have been fantastic moves. I know that you and I vehemently disagree with that, but there's but a, those moves didn't help the team win. I would agree. Um, and yeah, PLD, I was somebody who's a big fan of the trade. I'll say it again that I still think the trade is going to work out. Uh, has not gone very well uh, to date, right? He has not he has not lived up to his end of the bargain. So I and I think I said at the time of the trade this. This will determine Rob Blake's tenure with the Kings. I mean, if if PL goes off and has, you know, a good career in Los Angeles, then, um, you know, Blake is Blake's looking pretty good. If not, uh, and it it kind of goes like the first half of this season has gone, then um, a lot of people are going to be asking Blake's question. To your question about if they don't make the playoffs, 
it, McClellan, if he survives this the regular season, will be gone if they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, he's that's and or if they get bounced in the first round, I don't see how he survives that. Um, I think it's been fortunate that he's made it this long given the stretch that they've been on um just given the nature of sports and how we see coaches take falls deservedly or not we see coaches take falls for for big big slumps like this richard coming in here mm -hmm. with Pelenius would be a badass penalty killer in the <laughs> center that's what they drafted him to be is a, a big bottom six guy that they can they can put some weight on people yeah. and, and do that kind of thing will he get the call up this year probably not uh, but that's something to look for in the offseason if they make some space uh, for a guy like that. Um, so let's let's get into let's get into Artie a little bit. Um, do you, obviously not trying to play him. They said that they would on this road trip. I think he played once, um, yeah. maybe twice. So yeah, twice. No, he played twice. So yeah. So didn't really get a chance. He looked good with Turcotte, and then they took him out. You know so. <laughs> Uh, they found, you know, Turcotte and Cali have had that Team USA connection. They yeah. were paired, paired there. They trust each other. Um, it probably gave AK a boost, you know, to uh, his mental part because this can't be easy for him mentally. What do you – I'll just say this. I, I think the best thing for him would be to get traded. Yeah, I would agree. Because and he he doesn't have a future. It's Now, if – Todd McClellan is no longer with the team and the future coach values him in a different light, then that might be something that could be used. But right now, as the team stands, as the coaching staff stands, he's not valued on the team where he needs to, where his skill set is necessary. And so, you know, I think the best thing for him would be to get traded. Yeah. I, 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 so do I. Um, and I also think he could, he's a valuable asset in a trade. Now I, I know the Kings don't have, I mean, we just talked about how they don't have any cap space. So I don't know what he would have to be paired with somebody uh, with, that makes money to come back. If you're going to bring something of value back to this team uh, or it's dollar for dollar. And that's tough to do with how little he makes. Um, yeah. I, 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 mean, agree. I even a pick. I mean, just get a pick. Who cares? Like, I, I, mean, I hate that. I, I hate the, that idea. I don't hate that. I, I don't like that idea because I think that he still has value in the market. Uh, young player, great shot, has shown he can score at the NHL level. I still think that there's a there's teams that would be very, very interested in Arthur Kaliev, and that probably are interested in Arthur Kaliev. I'll be honest, I, I'm. So you think I'm he's not, more of like a piece that gets the deal done rather than the focal point to get a pick? I don't want to trade him for a pick if I can avoid it. I would like him to be a key piece in a deal that can bring so, something of value, whether it's a middle six forward another defenseman again i know that because of cap constraints that becomes extremely difficult so um what, i don't I know mean, we were people. talking about a trade last week for for a left shot d whether it was a, a guy that could be signed long term, <laughs> whether it was a chicken or byron or, or whatever like a yep. roy kaliev and a pick for a byron like that that he could be a piece that kind of raises the value of that type of thing. Yeah. I think, I think you might be right. Cause what are you getting for Cali right now? Third or fourth? Maybe, uh, right. I don't, maybe, maybe a late second for a playoff yeah. team if they need some power play help. So, right? but that said, I, I, I kind of am with McClellan on this because I'm not itching to play him. I, I don't know who I'm playing him over. Well, 
I take that back. I think you know who I'd play him over, but we both know that's not going to happen. But I don't think he's shown better than Grunstrom. I think LaFerrier and Turcotte are ahead of him. I'm an Anderson Dolan guy. People might think that's crazy. I think he does a lot more without the puck than Kaliev does. I think he does a really good job creating spaces and creating chances. Um, better, more so than Kaliev. I acknowledge Kaliev's strong suits. I think he's got a, a, a good hockey brain on knowing where to find open space in the offensive zone. He's got a great release. But he's I haven't seen enough of him at consistency at five on five to I'm not going to sit here and argue that he's got to be in the lineup. So if that's the I, case, then yeah, he I think, needs to play in a middle six to be effective. Like well, for his skill set to be effective. Well, the thing is though, like hypothetically, you know, talking about when Lazat comes back, he's performed with Lazat before. And if you had a line of Lazat, Turcotte, and Kaliev, ooh, baby, that could go. That could be good. Yeah, that could go, and then you get him back on PP two, you might be able to unlock a player there. But Randon, there's a certain veteran right winger that's going to clog that spot, so it ain't happening. It ain't happening. So, to your point, in this setup, he's got to go. He's got to. He, I, I. But I think he. I again, I don't want to see him go. If, if they're going to trade him for. Um, a pick I'd rather not I'd rather try to see him be dealt in a deal to acquire a player to help Um, it seems it seems that he him Fagimo a lot of these guys are not being put in the best situation to succeed because Fagimo could help the power play He's been doing it all year. He has, he's on pace for a bajillion goals for the Red. So, like, it, it wouldn't be – like, it doesn't seem that they are willing to put people in their best situation to succeed. And I don't know – like I said, I'm not a I'm not an X's and O's guy. I didn't play the game, you know, and so you know that better than I. But the power play hasn't looked good. So, like and, – and McClellan said itself in his interview. Like, doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results is insanity. And that they and after he says that they keep doing it, like I don't understand what does it hurt to throw Kaliev back on power play two or power play one or Fagimo when he's been up to have him on a side that he can one time some pucks in, like yeah. I just don't get it. It's it's two <clears throat> minutes to four minutes a game, and it hasn't looked good. So what does it matter? I I, I think they need to get Laferriere on on the first unit and play him down low. We've talked about the righty down low being a miss. They have really been hesitant to use LaFerriere at all in the power play up until recently to be getting some PP2 time. Um, but I, with how much the first power play is struggling and how well it showed last year with a righty down low. And I thing is, you can't just have any righty. Like Fagima doesn't fit power play one for the way they operate it. So it has to be somebody that's a little bit more willing to and capable of playing down low, being a little bit more of a playmaker. And I think LaFerriere can handle that. I'd like to see it. What the hell could it lose? Or, you know, what 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 what, what could it yeah. hurt? So I I still think that's the case. And, you know, Fagimo, I guess you could make the case for him to be on power play two on that left flank. That said, I really – so Dubois scored from there a couple games ago. 
think it was the Blues game. Now I don't remember if it was the Blues game. So his only goal of the, the power the, play for the, the, the entire favorite. season? But my point is, is I think he, I think that's a good spot for him. I liked him there. I didn't like him on the right flank, on the right top right circle. I think Dubois is probably better suited in more of a playing lower. Um, even if he's not the low guy, like net front, playing lower, down lower, like along the goal line, I think could be. Yeah, it was the Buffalo game, Holden. Thank you. Um, playing a little bit down lower, I think suits him better. So maybe to that point, Randon, you could have. It's Fagimo, I guess, on that left circle, but I don't think it's necessary to do that because I think, you know, if God forbid one game we see Clark and Spence in the lineup together, they can both play on the on that second power play with Clark at the top and Spence at the left circle. Look at the power play for Ontario or for Ontario. <clears throat> Tynan is is not a shooter; he's a facilitator. But Kaliev is good at facilitating. He's not, he's not like a, he's not tying in level, but he can facilitate or PL is a decent passer. If you want to put him mm -hmm. on that half wall, but then you have Clark or Spence being able to facilitate the right-handed shot. Like they need to have a vision for these, these power plays. And to me, it doesn't seem like they do. And I know they do because they, they have to work on it and they probably yeah. will work on it and draw some things up. But like homeboys like shooting, shooting nonstop in the AHL and you bring him up and he don't play him on the power play and you play him in the, like, this is my gripe with the team is that you're not setting up young talent to be successful. The best thing that they have done for young talent is moving Byfield up to the first line to get confidence. That has been the best thing that's happened for young talent on this team. And they're doing it with Laferriere, which I'm not as high on as you in, in, in Russ. Cause I think he hasn't shown the ability to score this season. Mm -hmm. He's played solid game. I think, you guys value him defensively way higher than the consensus. I looked at his card today for the athletic 30% of the league, 30% of the league in defense. So like, I, I don't mind him getting less ice time, but for the power play, cause he's a righty, like we would need that. I don't know, man. I, 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 I'm not a magician and I'm not a fortune teller. I'm just fed up with the way this team is playing and I need some real sure. change instead, instead of just hoping for something to happen. It's fair, which is why it's nice to see the injection of life from a Turcotte, right? And it, it allows that flexibility again, because again, he can play both positions. We've and now you you can kind of move him throughout the lineup as you see fit. Hopefully, Lazat gets back. Hopefully, Arvidsson's back before long. I mean, you know, before you know it, this this roster looks to be full again, and that's that. Look, and again, but to be honest with you. I'm not itching for Fagimo to play either, and that's nothing against him. It's just he's behind the other guys in the depth chart for me. Everybody that's up there, I, I'm fine with them being ahead of him, and that includes Anderson Dolan. I think he's a creative player. I think he's a pretty good player in his own right that doesn't get you know a ton of credit, but I think he does a lot of good, a lot of things, a lot of little things, uh, pretty well. I'm going to propose a question to you since okay. we're just kind of doing a little open open forum here, there, Joseph. Uh, would making would not making the playoffs be the worst thing for the Kings? And here, and let me preface this: oh er, an early out. So, like, if this continues by the end of February, and they're out of the playoffs, not missing it in April, would a quick reset be the worst thing for the Kings? You trade off all the 
the maybe you trade Roy because he's an expiring contract. You trade Lewis because he's an expiring contract. Maybe you get some more picks for the cupboard or a young player that you can re-sign, and then and then they go they go next year with the core still intact. Byfield is still playing. Laugh gets another year. You create room for the next two months to play Turcotte on a consistent basis, to play Fagima on a consistent basis, to be all that kind of stuff like that. Potentially getting a new coach for a new energy at the end of the year. Uh, I don't know about Blake or whatever, but like a minor reset, would that be the worst thing for the Kings or am I just overthinking that? No, I think that would be a bad thing. It would definitely, definitely, definitely be among the worst things. Now, I see what you're saying. <laughs> like, if that happens, it's a very reasonable thing to do, I would say. You know, what would Matt Roy covet in a in a if he were to become available? That's a big acquisition for a team. So, like, I get where you're going. Right, Victor but, Robertson's on an expiring contract. What, what playoff team wouldn't sure. want a Victor Robertson? Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Like, if that happens, I don't think that that's a bad idea to do that. A, they've lost a billion games out of a billion and two, uh, and they're still a couple points up in the wild card. So, like, they would have to this this stretch would have to really keep going, like heavy over this next month for that to become a, a possibility. I guess it could happen, but I don't, I think don't think they, they need a clean house. Like, I don't think they need to just ship all these no, players no. away. Like, Oh, let's trade to no, let's listen, trade more. Let's trade. Listen, It would be the worst thing. You don't, you make the D you do what you do in the off season. You go get Dubois. Like you said, like if they miss playoffs this year, that's, that's a no go. That's that. Again, you can turn it into a – you can spin it into like a, a little mini reset, sell those pieces. You've got the pieces to backfill them. Like you, I see where you're going, and you're not wrong, but it would be I'm not very saying bad. it's my highest <laughs> – it's my highest priority. Like yeah. if we do miss the playoffs, I'd rather be early. Like I'd rather – Fair enough. It would – like I know, it's the, I know it's the worst thing because of what we thought this season would be, Right. So like I get it, and and Trapper, we're not buying out PLD. So let's just no. let's just stop that. Um, but like, it's better than missing the playoffs in April when you can't do anything about it. You know, like uh, obviously fair. I want this team. Uh, obviously I want this team to to fix whatever bad voodoo. Uh, you know, go and uh, pray to the lords of hockey. Whatever uh, sacrifice um, that we need to make to the gods to to get this team back around, um, I would love that. It just all this talk about roster construction and how this team is built or whatever. Sometimes teams that do a little tweaking like that, you see it turn around quicker than not. Um, obviously, I think all whole fan base would be crushed if they made the playoffs. Didn't make the playoffs, and me too. But yeah, I, I just trying to make a. You know, a little uh, little lemonade out of the the sour lemons that we've been given the, for the last month. I I I see the logic, right? I, I see the logic, and I'm here, Randon, for the Roy Kaliev for chicken trade. I'm here for it, okay? Because that helps us for this year, but it also he's here for next year too. So I'm all in. I know that's exactly what you're proposing. So 
I will put those words in your mouth. <laughs> but no, I, I, I get it. I get it. But I, I also wonder, though, if they do that. I, I don't know what ownership's thoughts are of Blake. Are they going to let Blake, if the team falters that much, like if McClellan is probably out and do does the ownership want to have give Blake the reins on and which is which is crazy because it wasn't that long ago I'm sitting in this chair loving everything Blake has done and that included PLD you know I didn't like the fact that what he had to do with Cal Peterson but he did what he had to do other than that that was like his only blemish yeah I mean I didn't like that I was very against the Lewis signing from the get-go I was willing to be open on the England thing because, you know, again, they didn't, you know, I mean, I would have just played Mo Ferrari, but they don't like him. Bjornfoot, I listen, I didn't think he was much of a player, so I can, you can, I can buy it. I can understand it. Uh, after watching him play for half a season, two years is hilarious to me. Um, but those aren't like, Deals the, the Lewis and England are well, deals. Bjornfoot, I think it's Bjornfoot, I think it's forgivable, right? Because picks picks fail all the time. No, no, no. When what you, I mean is, you, yeah, what I mean is like they did you could have the logic could have been, well, we're not going to go sign England because we have Bjornfoot, we'll just play Bjornfoot. But I understand them, not wanting to yeah, do yeah, I understand them not wanting to play Bjornfoot because he's not that good. But those aren't the deals that lose Blake's job, it's the PLD one, like the PLD has not worked right now that's he, he has not played to his expectation and i've been one you know it'd be nice to see him with different line mates it'd be nice to see him up the lineup a little bit more that's all true there's a lot of things he does well that's all true but there's also plenty that that is on him too that that he's not living up to his end of the bargains so it's a two-way street here um you know so hopefully we we start to see a better pl dubois uh as we go forward but if they miss playoffs after the Dubois trade, I I have to think Blake's in trouble. Trade and, and then trade and sign for right eight point five million. Yeah, trade and sign and then and then miss playoffs or get to a point where how does he go to ownership and say we're actually going to sell? How do you sell that? Because they have well, you can't the- sell after the season. No, no. What I mean is, how do you sell that? How do you, after just after what you went to acquire Dubois, you signed to the deal, the season goes so bad that you're going to sell at the deadline? That's your. That's what you're going to do. If you're an ownership, you taking that, or you getting you finding a new GM? I don't know. I, I would. I would take a quick sell over a. Hey, I don't know what we're going to do. Let's just stand pat and do nothing. Yeah. I I understand where you're coming from. Let's get into some happier topics about anything but like ma- not making the playoffs. Victor Arvidsson. Let's talk, let's talk about that. We're talking about future lineups. So Victor Arvidsson potentially coming back. Obviously, this is going to be every single line that we've thought about the, for the entire year besides the kopitar byfield Kempe line has not come to fruition. So who knows what's <laughs> going to happen. But um, obviously, he played with with Dano more last year. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, that line has been buzzing. Uh, Fiala's kind of been in and out of the doghouse. Seems like a game at a time, and then he'll put up like three points, and then he'll be fine. But where where do you think he will go if he comes back, and where would you like to see him go? Just put Arvidsson with Deneau and Moore and then play 
Dubois with Fiala and Kaliev, and that'll be the doghouse line. Everybody loves nickname lines, right? That'll be a line. <laughs> Fiala, Dubois, and Kaliev. Three players that McClellan can't stand. <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> I, I'm guessing. Um, I, I don't know. I get the sense that that McClellan does like that Dino line, um, and rightfully so. I mean, it's it's that's been a really good line. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Arvidsson play along Dubois. It's just who who is the other winger? Is it Laferriere? Who again? I maintain that I, I like a lot what I see with Laferriere and and uh, and Dubois. I think they got a little something there. Or is it Turcott? Um, you know, I think those are the two that make the most sense. But I also acknowledge that there's a real chance that one of them or both of them is in Ontario. So, and that could make that a moot point. And, you know, it might be Dubois, Anderson, Dolan, and Arvidsson could be the line, right? That's a possibility. I, and I don't hate that. I don't hate it. Listen, yeah. it's not, again, I'm, 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 I don't want that because I'm a play your best players guy. I already know they're not going to willingly do that. So I'm just setting myself up and preparing myself for what's going to come. But I, I don't think the, I don't think that's a bad line. It's similar, obviously, to what it is now, right? Instead of Laferriere, it's Arvidsson. The the downside to Arvidsson is I do think we got to pump the brakes a little bit on – I don't expect him to come right back and be Victor Arvidsson. I hope he does, but I think that would be a little unfair uh, to to expect that, right? Patrick Kane took about a couple of weeks to get going, and he had back surgery and stuff too. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're looking at – Probably March before any resemblance of Victor Arvidsson yeah. takes over, but that's I think that's on the scoring touch there, Joe. And where a lot of the parts of the, his game is his his puck hound mentality, where he's always going, always going, always pushing, and he has that energy which could could move a line like like the the PL line. I think it'd be interesting to to jumble it up a lot, and I've been the fan of that lately. Yep. You have a little bit. Would be Deneau, Arvidsson, and uh, wow, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, Deneau, Arvidsson, Fiala, PL Moore, and Laferriere. Okay. Because you've been wanting more with Pierre. I think yep. that kind of drives that line a little bit. You have uh, a puck getter with Arvidsson, uh, and then you have potentially two score or and Deneau, and then you have a score with both Fiala. I think that could that could kind of push both of those lines. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing PL with, with Arvidsson and, and more as well. Like I just, and have Deneau, Laferriere and Fiala because I think Deneau <coughs> can carry any line. Yeah. Yeah. Deneau, Deneau's a, Deneau's a, a, a play driver. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't do this cause I wouldn't want to limit Byfield's ice time. Um, so it it would be kind of awkward, but like Laferriere can play, and he played up pretty well, I thought, with Kopitar and Kempe. I think Byfield would do wonders for for Dubois. I think Byfield could be a really nice fit next to to PL. You know, a, a Byfield PL Arvidsson line would be, I think, a, a potentially formidable line too. Uh, there's a lot of options because you want you want Byfield so that way he can do all the stuff that PL should be doing with his size in the corner. Um, I mean, it's a, for a similar reason. <laughs> yeah, a, a, actually, there's a similar for a similar reason that I like more is because of 
just the, the pace that they play at um, next to PL. But we saw a little bit of that with like you with Turcotte too. Like so on Turcotte's goal, you saw Oh my god, Moore was just flying. He was he was flying, but what that's exactly what I envisioned with PL and Moore was so Moore entered the puck, entered the zone with speed through the neutral zone, through the center of the ice, on the rush, makes a play to Turcotte, he scores. That's what I envision having a player like a Moore who could be the Turk out of that play where PL enters the zone with possession through the center. Like he likes to do make a dish to a streaking Trevor Moore. That is my, that's why, why I think Moore would be an intriguing fit there is because of the, the chances they could create off the rush. I think becomes pretty intriguing to me uh and now and and, and you're 100 right and i know a lot of fans will be like what like pl doesn't move his skates at all and and we talked about this before podcast a couple podcasts ago uh what, what is the it's nhl what is their uh the nhl edge data edge data and so he was top i think he was top 95 percent in the in the league with burst and speed uh but he was bottom 50 percent in in miles traveled or ice traveled so like yeah, he can like get that. up and move, but he doesn't. He doesn't move a lot in his ice, and so like I think a lot of fans view his laziness as laziness. But the data backs up that he's not moving along the ice because you look at Kopitar, right? Kopitar, not a speedy person, doesn't have that burst, but he travels a lot on the ice because he's constantly moving, constantly yes. hounding, and doing those things. Kop- Kopitar is one of the slower guys in the league per this information but like you say covers a ton of ground pl dubois top skating speed is in the 76th percentile okay. of the nhl so not slow but his speed burst over 20 miles per hour is in the 85th percentile so he's not slow okay yeah. and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna call anybody lazy i'm not there and i anybody that calls him lazy i i i, I disagree i mean i don't know you go 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 to the locker room and tell me he's lazy. Okay, if you're there and you if you're there and you're in the room and you're seeing the work he's not putting in, then fine, call him lazy. But I'm not going to do that. Um, I, I, more- I I will say his game is lazy at times. He needs to be more engaged. It looks like yeah. yeah. Okay, sure. if you want to use that term, yes, yes. But I I don't like the the word lazy. But anyways, so my point is, I think he, because of how how good he is entering the zone and creating plays off the rush. He doesn't really have line mates to do that. I, I think, he, you know, LaFerriere hasn't been shown to be a right now, a goal scoring threat off the rush right now. I, I like him. I like a lot of what he brings, but I think that other player on that wing, if it's a Trevor Moore, somebody who's shown he can put pucks in that flying off the rush. I mean, I'm, I'm in on that. I'm interested in that, you know, or Kempe, which is why, Kempe which is why, yeah, which is why Arvidsson, you know, had looked well. Yeah, the Kempe experiment down with him showed well for the for mm-hmm. the first little bit. I don't know why they decided to go back. Yeah, but uh, again, it's not. It's just trying to find the right fit. Like I'm, I'm, I can acknowledge two things at once that I think there's a lot of things that PL does well, and that he also needs to be much more engaged when he doesn't have the puck and going to get the puck and keeping the puck, winning puck battles. I get all that, but I can sit here and bitch about it and say they should buy him out or say it was the horrible trade or whatever, try to find ways 
that I think makes it fit. And that's all I'm trying to do is I think because of his skill set and what he's good at, let's bring that out. Let's get somebody to compliment what he's good at. And I, you know, I, 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 that's where I don't think he's had the right wingers Uh, again, not to make an excuse for the play he's made, but I think that he could use some wingers that complement the things that he does. Well, that's all. I I think you're hundred percent correct. And I had a coach once tell me, uh, and I asked him, I was like, Hey, like, I'm not, I'm not good at this. And I think it was for, it was for, it was for, uh, it was for basketball when we were playing. I was like, I'm not good at this, man. Like I'm not a, I'm a tall guy, but I'm not a, like a ferocious rebounder. And, and my defensive acumen is not great, you know, but I can shoot like, and he goes, well, that's why we run plays to get you in your, for your jump shot. Like we accentuate plays for your strengths and you should build on your strengths. And instead of, you know, defense is an effort thing. So just keep putting in effort. Yeah. You might not be a glove or a steals guy, but keep putting in effort and then work on the things that make you good. And like, working on things that make you good are and putting players that bring that out. And I agree with you, Joe, is what they need to do. Now the, the engagement is effort on his part. Right? That's something that he can, can, he can change on his own, but having better line mates or line mates that accentuate his skill set and what it is and what he does well is coaching. Yeah. I mean, uh, he, 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 I think there's yes. So I there's a he, little there's a little of both. Yes. Yeah. There there's I think yeah, there's a little of both. And and you if you want to make the case that it's more on him, by all means, you should, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but I think we can acknowledge a couple things at the same time here. I think we're capable of doing that. So I think it'll be interesting where VA fits in and how they make that uh, that work. Um, and this schedule has been interesting. Uh, Richard comes in here. They need harder practice sessions. But Thomas Lenz like, we haven't been, we haven't really been practicing. And so the beginning, they had a bunch of open days and all this kind of yeah. stuff like that. And then now the schedule is really tightened up to where they're playing a lot of these games in succession. And unfortunately for them, their packed schedule yeah. has been in the worst part of the season where they haven't been able to work on things. And, and I don't know if that's because they're not getting rest days or they're not able to work on things where in the beginning of the season they were able to make tweaks uh, or both things are both true. Um, but it would be nice to have a little bit more space in the schedule to figure some things out and try some things at practice uh, for, for this team. They, yeah, they, they, they don't have the practice time, but a note on Richard says they need more harder practice sessions. I, I don't know exactly what Richard means if he's talking like bag skates or whatever, but – that ain't going to happen. Those, those days are not the thing. And McClellan said it as much. He's like, if you think I'm going to show up here and just bag skate these guys, that's not going to happen. I don't believe in that. And and that's not – It's it, it doesn't work. Um, yeah, it's it's not. And, and I don't think it's necessary. I think there's ways to have – now, going along what Richard says, there's ways to have very hard practices that um, forces you to skate just as hard as if you were bag skating, but you're working on things. Right, you're working yeah. on battles or whatever it is. So, and I don't know. That's I, I'm I'm not at practices. So, and then and then it, it kind of like as a team, do they need to work on battle, or do they need to work on shoring up some things, whether it's system wise or or what it might be? Because the harder practices may not accomplish necessarily what this team is looking for and may, maybe it does for pl if he responds to it but it doesn't necessarily accomplish what the team is so there's a there's an article 
in the athletic talked about a bunch of random teams in January and the Kings, it ain't good. Like they are a bottom 10 team when it comes to odd man rushes against scoring chances against one of the worst teams in the league in the rush chances against this is the last since December 28th, since the stretch started high danger chances against their bottom 10th. Like they are not playing well defensively. So, you know, it's, it's, I don't know that a harder practice does anything for that or do they need, we're doing it. It's a, and I don't know, this is where video session comes in and McClellan, the coaching staff, they're, 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 they're going through all this stuff to say, is it something that's consistent? Why all of a sudden we went from being, because all those stats I rattled off up until the 28th of December, they were first, like in, in a, First in odd man rushes against, first in scoring chances against, first in rush scoring chances against, second in slot shots against, all these first in expected goals against, right? Second in scoring chances against. They were one of the best in the league at all these, and they've gone to one of the bottom half of the league, if not worse, in all of these. That's alarming. So I want to ask you this then, Joe. So beginning of the season, everybody was talking up the one three one, at least nationally. Nathan McKinnon said it's a it's a bitch to play against, um, you know. And we were talking about this podcast. It seems like it's a it's a counter punch type offense where you try to make them make a mistake, get them to lose the puck. We take it, make a good outlet pass, and the puck goes back the other direction. Yeah. But the thing with the one three one is a, it's a buy in factor, and we saw it early last season where the team was kind of trying to figure it out, and they started off slow, and then they bought into it, and it propelled this team. I think that you're looking at the one three one. It needs to be a, a fully. Everybody needs to be fully bought in because they all have an individual role that they have to play, right? But I also think, as Holden mentioned here, I do think that some teams and coaches aren't stupid. They watch film too. Like some teams have figured out where to put the pressure on the one three one to make it less effective. And so, does McClellan need to get further buy-in from? The system, do they need to run multiple systems in, in in on the team to where they can counter similar to football, right? So football, they have the cover two, cover three, cover four. They have cover six. Like they have all these different things to accomplish different defensive goals on the field. Do they need to kind of come up with something, not come up with something because I'm sure McClellan already has ideas, but what, where do you, as a coach's mind, where do you think that he needs to go as it, Shoring up the thing that they do really well is it coming up with something different to whether they can adjust mid game? Like, how do you, how would you kind of view this? There's a few things to unpack here. One, so again, this article is from Shana Goldman in The Athletic, um, and the stats that she references here are from stat, stat leads, staff leads. Sorry. So the rush chances against. The rush, the odd man rushes, they're now 15th in the NHL versus when they were first. Rush scoring chances against, so scoring chances against off the rush, uh, they're 25th. So to me, that is telling me that the neutral zone is not working right now. However, there's a lot that can go into that because how much of that is against the 131? Right. So what I mean by that, the one three one is going to be something that gets set up. You see it set up off and off a line change, right? Maybe they dump it in. They go for a change. The team, the, the, the guys come out, they can kind of get set into the one three one, right? 
if you're in the offensive zone and you're on a cycle or you're on a rush and you make a turnover or you turn the puck over at the top of the circle, the Kings aren't in the one, three, one. Yeah. Right. So how many times have we seen, we just almost like Fiala has made some bad turnovers. Gavrikov was up on the one and it's a rush chance going back. That's not against the one, three, one. That's a break in play. That's, that's a turnover or that's, they have extended offensive zone time and then it's coming back the other way. Now there could be other things within that. Like perhaps they have to have, perhaps their F3 is not where he needs to be. Maybe he needs to be a little bit higher and they're not doing enough of a job. Um, kind of coming, being able to back check through the middle, being able to cut off some of those rush chances because maybe they're getting caught too low. It, there, there's, there's other things that go into it than just say, well, the one three one isn't working because I bet if we looked back, how many of these scoring chances off the rush and rush chances are actually coming off the one three one? I bet not very many. I bet they're coming off of the the other chances that maybe again it could be turnovers in inopportune areas, things like that that happen. Now the other statistic. Now we talked about if we talk about looking at more D zone type of stuff. High danger chances against. They're 21st. They were second the first half of the season. They're 20th in slot shots against. They were second before that. That tells me that there's something going wrong in the zone. I I don't know what that is. I mean, it's nothing new. I don't think there's anything new from what I can see. You know, they've got um, – they, they play like this man-on-man type of style. You can see the guys always pointing – Right. Whenever you watch the Kings, watch them in the D zone. And as, as guys switch on the opposing team, you see them pointing like I got this guy. You got the, you know, you can see them communicating with each other. But all that takes is one little slip up or somebody that's that's not as, you know, fleet of foot or whatever. And they get beat. I mean, I remember the goal that St. Louis scored. I don't know if it was Cairo or if Cairo set it up. England's got no chance. He, he ended up being matched up with in that in their system. He ends up being matched up against Cairo. That is a mismatch. Cairo's going to win that one-on-one battle ten times out of ten because he's lightning fast, and that's not a knock on England. He's just that is what it is. Um, and he gets beat. And again, I don't remember. If, I don't think it was Cairo that scored, but either way, that that was something where once one one guy gets beat in that man-on-man, everything falls apart. There's a lot of it that can fall apart, and I think we're seeing that happen too. Uh, you know, look at what happened against Nashville. Um, in front of the net, Forsberg's there. And now that was a play off a power play that they just never really gained control and they couldn't get the puck out of the zone. Uh, and you know, England doesn't pick up Forsberg and it's in the net. And on the second goal, I think Nashville scored. England was a little clunky, loses the puck. Kopitar, I think, is there to help, but then he gets it stripped before you know it. A lot going on, and it's in the zone, or it's in the net, excuse me, because, I mean, that's a situation where it looked like the Kings had possession. So the team may be thinking, okay, we've got possession now. We can maybe start to to think about our transition. England struggles a bit. Again, Kopitar was there to help, but I think, I don't know if he lost the puck or got it stripped from him, or even if he ended up getting full possession when he was helping out England. I guess my point of all of this is to say, I think it's too simplistic to just say, oh, the one three one's not working because it's not as if they just skate around in a one three one. You know what I mean? They they don't. I mean, you, you it has to be like a time to set that up. And I bet when it's like a have, it's like a flying V across the ice all, all the time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
so so if they don't if they don't tie if they don't have time to set that up then you know it, it's it, it may be a modified they may be able to do it kind of it depends on how how it, it's coming back the other way but think about it if you've if you're in an offensive zone shift and you've got two forwards caught you don't even have bodies for a one three one on the rush coming yeah. back right so you know i hold up guys let's get our system uh you want to stop exactly. here we'll yeah. So you know how, how we say a lot of times, you know, offense can be created and it starts in the D zone with with clean exits and, and being able to move pucks out of the zone efficiently. You know, similar if you're if you have a structure, if you have a setup, I know we we talk about this with our team at the high school level. Like if we 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 have a a, a, a way we want to play for a reason in the offensive zone, but if we get away from that, if we start to get a little too jumpy teams can break out a lot easier. And all of a sudden we're allowing teams to come break out and through the neutral zone easier. So if the Kings in the offensive zone aren't playing the way that they should be playing in the offensive zone, it could allow that other team to break out a heck of a lot easier and thus create chances coming the other way. So there's, there's a lot that can go into it. Um, I just think it's a little simplistic to just say the one, three, one sucks. I think it's just, you know, and I, that's you know, this has just been great because I didn't even think of any of those things, and it really, it really didn't. And it's just coming from a guy who doesn't watch, you know, I don't watch a lot of tape. You know, I wasn't born in hockey. I don't pick up on these types of things. And you're a coach, which is nice. Uh, and yeah, Devo, yeah, you need a goaltender as well if you're making impossible saves when you're getting up, giving up a lot of slot chances. But I, I think the the two, three things I took from it is one, the offense has not been as good. So when your offense isn't as good, you're not controlling the puck in the offensive zone, which leads to a lot more counter chances. Fair. The defensive hasn't been as good because the fact that they're giving up a lot more chances in the defensive zone by missed assignments and not being able to make that first pass out of the zone. Fair. To where the the odd man rushes seem to be because of probably the offense and they're not playing well in the offensive zone to keep the puck down there. I think it's in, it's interesting uh, to where it's more about assignment. And so then let me counter question you there, Joe. In the defensive zone, obviously the Kings run a lot of man or they kind of cycle the man type thing. What are some other styles of defense that maybe a team can run with the personnel that we have? Because we do have two guys. Gavrikov's a better skater than England, yeah. but they're both big guys that are stationary style defenders that use their stick and everything like that. So – is a zone a bit better? Or how do you? I don't. Yeah, I don't love necessarily the the way the Kings D zone is personally. Now, listen, they've obviously have a, have had a lot of success with it, so they've made it work. They've made it work, and 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 you know, McClellan obviously knows what he's doing. Obviously, lately it's not going so well. The numbers that I just read off from that article in the Athletic. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can have something where you 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 see teams kind of have it. It's almost like a box in one. They'll have somebody in the slot, oftentimes the center. Uh, sometimes uh, they can. You can have they, they. I think they call it five on the dice. Think of a dice where there's mm-hmm. outside and you got one in the yeah. middle. Um, so there, there's that's something that you can do that's a little bit different i mean you can look at the way like vegas plays so like all vegas tries to do is keep you to the outside and they're just going to eat pucks they're they're willing to give up the possession they're not you're not getting quality 
against Vegas, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that said, it has worked for the Kings. The Kings have been one of the better expected goals against teams in the league for the last couple of years. They've been one of the better teams in the league in terms of high danger chances against. Um, I don't have a great explanation as to why it's just fallen apart the last month and a half. That's the million dollar question that I would love to be in the video sessions with McClellan and his staff to see what is it that's falling apart? Is it systematic? Is it, you know, what is it? Yeah. I see there's some comments about Vegas blocking shots. It's a system set up to let them do that, you know, because they're not chasing guys all over the zone where the Kings, you see, they are actively in guys faces trying to chase guys and because their whole thing is get puck and then go back on the rush the other way where Vegas is, we'll let you play with the puck a little bit along the outside. Um, but we're not going to let you get to the inside. So we're going to force you to take shots from the outside. They're not going to get through because we're willing to block them. And then we're going to just, we'll beat you that way. Um, Which seems like it's a lot, uh, it's a lot grittier way to play defense. I mean, you're wearing, you're yeah. wearing tons. It's a lot I don't of like that either. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like the idea of, first of all, I, I don't like the idea of just giving the other team and allowing them, I don't say giving, but allowing them the possession I don't like the idea of just sitting back and blocking shots. I don't. I don't like that. It's not exactly my style. Um, so, but it works for them. Again, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Like there's multiple ways to do this stuff. And the Kings have had success. I, I don't know what it is exactly that's fallen apart right now as to why some of these. Again, all those stats I read off from October 11th through December 27th, they were first in all those you know top two or three in all of those stats and ever since december 28th they have been bottom half of the league i don't know how that falls off a cliff like that i don't know um and again that's that's until they figure that out they're going to be in stuck in this rut like they had a 32 expect percent expected the, the funny thing is about nashville of all the games that they have lost over the last month and a half Nashville was one of the ones that they definitely should have lost. There's been games where they should have won or could have won, you know, at least possession wise, they controlled, they controlled Mm -hmm. the chances. You think of that sharks game. They should have won that sharks game. They didn't, Mm -hmm. but Nashville, they didn't play a good game against Nashville, but they won. Yeah. That happens sometimes in hockey, you know, it's, it's, it's puzzling because I I think this team, obviously they're talented enough to win. I mean, they, they did that for the first half of the season. I, you're looking at if, if we're playing man on defense and then we're not playing well in the offensive zone with the cycles and, and constantly keeping pressure, it, it might just be an effort issue. It might just be a determination issue because effort is not physically effort. It's also mental effort. Sure. Like I have to do this for a full 60 minutes. Yeah. And when you get a little bit more breaks in the beginning of the season, you get some more days off, you get some mental you know, breaks. I don't know. I mean, these guys are all paid professional athletes, so you, you would think, but they're also all human beings. So, like, that could be a factor. And I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is because I, I know as a pitcher. I mean, I played baseball as a pitcher. I maybe had all my stuff working five times my entire life, five ten times my entire life. Like usually there's something not working and you have to work with the other things that you're given that day to have a successful outing on the mound. 
sure i'm sure that the hockey players feel the same way hey man my feet hurt today or my legs hurt today or man i'm really dealing with this rib injury or, or whatever and i have to make all the other things that i'm doing well or do well to uh to compete at a high level tonight so. Yeah, I, yeah. This the tough part about this stretch is to the naked eye. I don't think there's a drastic, um, certainly not a drastic change, but I don't, I don't know that there's like a system breakdown here, which is probably frustrating for McClellan, right? Because he's trying to find answers, and if the answers, if 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 I say the answers are individual errors individual mistakes i mean that's tough because what do you do you know the, you, you put the guys in the right spots and, and i guess and one of those two 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 players that are making mistakes make 15 million bind <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's a and you know we saw fiala get get benched the other day he didn't play in overtime um Fiala's i want to talk to you about that season Steven brings it up here. The team should work on improving three on three and shootouts. They're blowing it in, in overtime. We are horrible in overtime. I think as long as I've been watching the Kings, they've been horrible in overtime. Can you, can, so, can you, I think they were, I thought I looked at this the other day because I had a theory about why they are what they are in overtime and shootouts. But then I looked at last year and were they really good last year? I don't remember. I have, I'd have to look that up. I think they were like but, really good in overtime last year. So then I erased my theory and said, well, that, that's over with. <laughs> well, they ain't this year. So what's your They're theory not. this year? Like, I mean, it seems they tried out the same Kopitar, Kempe, Dowdy to start, but like their best player this season has been Quentin Byfield and he never plays in overtime. Like, yeah. Is what do you, I mean, do you guys even do three on three overtime no. for high school or is it just over? No, no, we do overtime. It's not three on three, it's five on five. Okay. So, like, I, I, I don't know. Uh, um, is it is it personnel? Is it the fact that this team isn't built to be wet and wild that the three on three is? Yeah. So I mean, so yeah, I think I mean I think that's part of it. I think the other thing is the you know the goaltending hashtag goalies works when you have a very good five-on-five five system and structure like the Kings have had in place. So you can kind of mm -hmm. have anybody and play well. That goes away in overtime and shootouts where it's a lot more helter-skelter, so you kind of need more talent at the position, and I would say the Kings are lacking talent at the position. Um, it works for five-on-five, five, less so overtime and, and shootouts. I got no problem. Uh, listen, the, the thing with Kopitar um, – I have, I have more of an issue with Deneau than I do Kopitar, but you got to have at least one of them getting trotted out there because possession, one of them has to start the overtime because possession is just so important. You have to win the face-off, and those are your best face-off guys. I got no problem with Kopitar, and Kempe's coming off a 40-goal season. I don't really yeah. have an issue with Adrian Kempe either. I like Deneau as a five-on-five -five guy. You know, kills penalties. I I want to see Byfield out there instead of Dino. I'd like to see Byfield with, you know, Fiala like, maybe. Like get the face off and then go off the ice and then Byfield comes if, on the ice. If you don't, yeah, if you don't trust Byfield to take the draw, then yeah, that that's a good idea. I would get Byfield absolutely much more on the ice here uh, instead of Dino. Um, 
And so then they've gone back with PLD and I think more has been the duo. I think those two, ironically, as much as I want to see them play together uh, in um, five on five, I want to say that they've played together in, in overtime, sometimes PL and, and more. And I don't have an issue with that. So I think the, the biggest one here is Byfield's got to get on the ice more. And so who do you take off? I'm sure probably everybody would say Dubois. <laughs> I actually say Deneau, uh personally. So, but, Either way, he, they've got to find a way to get him in there more. I don't want to see Gavrikov on the ice uh, in overtime. The problem is, as I've said for years now, this decor is not set up to play three-on-three um, three either because yeah. they have two puck movers, two two guys that are capable. Um, All the more reason to bring up Clark and keep, and yeah, keep well, Clark and Spence in the lineup. I agree with that. But, yeah, so you roll out Dowdy, you roll out Clark, and then it's like Roy – Who's fine or Gavrikov? I they're not these are not exactly very high on the list of defensemen that you want out there in a three-on-three situation. I I would think there's a reason why you see some high-skilled D-men across the league um, in those positions. So I think part of it's personnel. Uh, part of it is person. They don't have a choice. Like the D-men are the D-men. They don't I mean until they start yeah. playing Clark and Spence together. This is what they got. So you're going to see. It's what they got. So, uh, but some of it's fluky. I mean, I know it's maybe a cop out, but it's three on three, man. These teams aren't practicing yeah. three on three, and like it's 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 sometimes it's just the luck of the possession and the luck of the bounce that goes your way. I mean, look at the. I thought the play that Dino made was stupid. Uh, I guess in fairness, I should watch it back. But when I watched it live, I'm like, don't pass it, don't pass it, don't pass it, don't pass it. It wasn't a clear. Odd man rush, he passes, yeah. he gets picked off, it's gone the other way. Like, what do you do? Yeah. I think you the, the point you made that I like the most is the goalie thing, right? Because you're getting a lot of more one-on-ones or two-on-ones where the goalie need is one-on-one with a shooter a lot. And he needs them, he needs to be the person that makes the save, similar to in the shootout, right? You're one-on-one with the, the shooter yeah. uh, a lot, and that's when it comes up to goalie skills. Now, me for me, I for the shootout. I heard this in the uh, I heard this in the in the World Juniors that a lot of these kids practice the shootouts when they're just messing around with their buddies, right? Like yeah. They're just messing around with their buddies, practice the shootout. A lot more older school hockey players don't really do that, and so I would like to see more youth on the the shootouts for the team, right? I mean, give give laugh a shootout, right? Give uh, Kempe is actually pretty good. I think he's over thirty something percent, uh, but give some of these younger guys that have some scoring acumen. I mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't even mind Clark have, getting the shootout uh, experience, right? So when he when he plays, the one, but yeah, but playing all, all these older guys and no offense to Kopi, I mean, I mean, I've seen him score on the shootout before, yeah. But you know, but you're looking at like you're looking at what uh, who was Elias uh, Anderson, right? Like he was like over forty five percent. Like some guys just have a knack for mm-hmm. for doing this. Yeah. Trevor Zagris, for all the the crap people give him, I think he's up over fit over half. Like he is just good at at the shootouts, right? Uh, so, you know, obviously that <laughs> McClellan's not going to donate free time that the free practice time for shootouts, but like some of these kids, they practice it when they're just messing around, and sometimes they do. They did actually he said the other day uh, in one of his media sessions that um, the guys were practicing at the end of practice shootouts, and it's a it's a fun way to end practice. Guys are you know you know they can have fun with it. But you can also watch and see who's doing what, um, it, which 
and some guys are just more comfortable with it. And I, in general, I think the young guys are more comfortable with it, but maybe that's not the case. I, I don't know. Um, and it probably depends on the goalie, right, that you're going against. There's some goalies that maybe are a little bit more susceptible to to a shot coming. So maybe you prefer to have, you know, uh, Carl Grunstrom shoot in that shootout because mm-hmm. he's going to come down and wire one, where if you got somebody that, you know, maybe is more susceptible and, and struggles more going side to side on, on a deke, you know, maybe you want a Kopi or you want a Fiala. So th- that part of it, I'm sure, goes into those conversations too. And then after you get past the first three shooters, it's, you know, again, these things can be fluky because I want to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, I thought I looked last year, they were like, they had to 10 wins in, in the overtime and shootout last year. I have no idea. So, yeah. So like, what's the difference between last year and this year? <laughs> so... I mean, we're just we're trying to grasp at anything as Kings fans, Joe. Come on, we're, we just need something to to grasp onto. But you know, hey, it is what it is. We need a break. I think Kings fans need a mental break. So also, a break might be good for for a few of us uh, yes. here to to enjoy that. So appreciate you guys in the chat coming in. We were over fifty strong for most of the podcast. So really appreciate all you guys do for us and uh, our loyal fans here. Get your Trevor Moore shirts, the one I'm wearing right now. Uh, $30 sizes, small to extra large at contact at or contact at hockeyroyalty.com and Venmo at hockey royalty. Once, once, uh, Russell gives you the go ahead that those shirts are available. You can Venmo us there, uh, for those, uh, for those people. Hey, get your, get your girl, uh, uh, Trevor Moore t-shirt for Valentine's day. You know, Perfect. why not? That, that, that's, that sounds good. Uh, or get yourself one, you know, love yourself a little bit and get yourself a Trevor Moore shirt. So, I uh, really appreciate that. Always find our uh, articles every day here at HockeyRoyalty.com. Follow us at Hockey underscore Royalty, at Randall Commando 24, at NHL Russell, at JW Paterino. All and any rain news coming from at Kobitar for, uh, 4HOF. Uh, Kyle does a great job for the team. And if you want to make some money on the Super Bowl, <coughs> draft Kings code THPN. Uh, Kings better turn it around, otherwise this can get pretty bleak for the rest of the season. And hopefully we do so. Thank you guys for coming in. Have a good night.